This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cammie here. Today's episode is a chat with a very funny Allie Colbert. Honestly, great stand-up comic, but also best laugh in the game. You'll see what I mean. Uh, I loved her. And hey, nothing. I actually thought I was going to announce a show, but I just realized <laughs> the show already happened. Valerie, I'm doing great. <laughs> Let's hear it for our, our new engineer, Valerie, who just had to listen to that. Okay, enjoy the episode. Hi, I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself? Sure. Um, hey, I'm Allie Colbert. Should I say stuff about myself? I just... Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, I am a stand-up comedian. I am based in Los Angeles. I also podcast. Um, we're talking about Taylor Swift a moment ago. We were. What is behind you? Is that a um that's a slot machine. That's what I thought. I'm, yeah, that's a slot machine. Your eyes aren't fooling you. I'm currently at my parents' house in Connecticut. I was oh. in New York this week performing. And this is like the spare room where we put things like slot machines. <laughs> was that in there when you were a kid? Um, uh, I think this like arrived when I was like Maybe like 13. Like I was probably like the end of my childhood. Is it disabled? It doesn't. I don't think it's ever worked. <laughs> like I think they bought it broken. I'm not sure. It's never. I've never used it. I've You've never, never pulled the I, like, thing? I've, I never have. Rem, I have no memory of it ever working. Like I, I have memories of me trying to pull it and it like right. you don't. You can't pull it all the way down. It like stops. So that's that why it's always been like, frustrating. I was supposed to say that feels so, but actually like maybe that's a better illustration of what gambling is than <laughs> if you could pull it all the way down. You know what I mean? Like it, it does. It's like completely futile. Like that, totally. that, that feels like, mwah, never, like an, it's just an, a real art piece. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like an allegory. I've, Never, I haven't actually thought about this or like spoken any of this out loud, but now that I'm thinking about this machine, I was so excited as a kid when they got it because it seems so fun. And the fact that I've never really been able to like go all the way with this machine has kind of frustrated me for like 15 years. Do people use the phrase go all the way and they no, don't I was mean trying sex? No, I was trying to be funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> I but I was like, ready I to listen to laugh. I was no, I was ready to um to believe that like I've missed out on No. Can we pretend? Yeah, I that's making a thing. Okay. Where were you in New York? Um I was in Manhattan. I was performing at um 
some of the comedy clubs. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm asking. Name some comedy clubs. (laughs) I was performing at the Comedy Cellar, and I was performing at New York Comedy Club. How'd it go? It was good. It was good, and uh, but it's just New York. So like, by the way, I wasn't trying to be like. I'm just like I'm sometimes so literal in conversation. Um, but uh, yeah, I know we're doing great. Wow, this guest is pretty okay. Everything's going great. We're good. It's going great. I um. The New York is so like offensive this time of year to me. Like it's just so hot and like it. I just can't move around. And, yeah, I'm going I don't next know. week. I used to like love it. I used to love it so much, and now when I go back, I'm like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, it's bad. It smells. It smells bad. Yeah, it's bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah. What do you do? Where are you performing next week? Joe's Pub. Joe's Pub. Yeah. So fun. Yeah, it will be That's fun. Awesome. Uh, but I, yeah. it is like a. For me, feels like a total body acne situation in terms of what yeah. the just what how did people in New York look cute all the time and I look like I do? Do when they I'm look cute York? all the time? I think so. I don't know. I think I'm thinking about like people who are like women who are wearing some sort of like fancy thing it looks like they went to an office but they look nice also oh yeah see what i'm talking about i I don't i think they're like breaking like inside yeah yeah (laughs) 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 i think they're emotionally splintering yeah it's hard to stay together and like there's just so much pressure to like look a certain way and like you know it's so expensive and you know it's a nightmare oh wow yeah all right Fair enough. I feel like that's like what I hear about LA from other people. So, oh, it's like that too in LA. Yeah, yeah. Why do we live in these places? <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's like nowhere else to live where I could like do what I love. Yep. Is that yep. a lie? I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer yeah. to it. I, well, we were talking about Taylor Swift because uh, I'm going to see her tonight. This is like my big. Uh, I'm not really going to go see. I feel like one of the perks of my job is that I get tickets to because I because the same people sell my tickets that sell other people's tickets. I can ask for tickets to most concerts and Mm -hmm. it's like a nice perk or maybe I'll be on the same festival and then I get backstage passes or whatever. Um, And that's been true for years. And I'm trying to think of the last time I paid to see a show that wasn't Taylor Swift. Um, because look, this job is annoying in a lot of ways, but I can't believe that a part of this job is that tickets are, it's the same guy. It's the same one guy who has all the tickets, but that's not true for Taylor Swift. Nobody has those tickets. Uh, right. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to see her and you were saying, you don't know when she became, when she got this big. I, I always knew that she was bit like she was a a thing you know and people love her music and I enjoy her music but then it felt like it didn't just feel like but this last tour and just like the hype around it and how there was like the scarcity with the tickets you know how can we get them um and like the press coverage it's just it's like a mammoth tour I'll tell you what I think happened and but it like does also relate to why we're here chatting is that I think that um so I like didn't really give a fuck about her. I kind of thought she was like missable for a long time. Then when I met my wife, um, she knows almost nothing about pop culture. 
I know mm-hmm. almost everything about pop culture. And mm-hmm. I was just like, Taylor Swift, like, for, you know, for cheese balls and losers or whatever. And Katie was like, are you kidding? She, like, writes her own music. She's, like, an amazing producer. She, you know, she, like, laid it all out for me and then started playing. And I was, and I, anyway, the tides have turned. And now I now understand. But I don't think I was alone in um, watching her go from, like, being othered or like demeaned as some like flitty little kid to like what we think of her now where she's like re-recording her own music so she owns the masters and like you know going to and like defending herself against lawsuits and like suing other people who fucked with her and like but not none none of it for money although she's making an insane amount of money on this tour but I think that like something that happened and this is also because of like the Miss Americana doc and some of the, and the records she put out during the pandemic is like, I think she transitioned from being like dismissed and writing about being dismissed. Well, first she was like a teen and then she was dismissed and then she owned her agency. And I think this in this way that, um, I think like amplified her fandom by a zillion. I think that's what yeah. happened is that people like respect her. So mm. here's uh, why I think that's relevant to this conversation. Cause you're a comic, I'm a comic and I, but you're younger than me. Um, and I don't know. I still feel like when I get out there that I am carrying with me this idea that people in the audience don't respect me um that I saw in the way people talked about her that's how they talked about me when I was a young comic um but I know that a lot has changed um I also don't know what hasn't changed so like when you're going up at the comedy cellar or you know other places in Manhattan what is that experience like for you like as a queer person as well do you you identify as a woman do you identify as a woman yeah yeah as a woman as a queer person like what is that experience like for you in stand-up now? Mm. Are you are you twenty twenty three Taylor or are you like Taylor who's getting yelled off stage by Kanye? Like which Taylor are you? Uh, I mean, it's an interesting question because it's like in relationship to like like it is it like my relationship with myself as I'm going on stage or like what I'm experiencing as like the scene? Do both. You know? So I mean, it's changed a lot. I think my I have a bit like I had a bit of a story in my head about like how I would be myself, which is queer on stage. Like when I started doing comedy, I moved to New York to go to NYU and I was 17 and I started going to open mics and I took this class about stand up comedy at Caroline's on Broadway and I was not dating women at the time I was you know identifying as straight I like was not really sure what was going on with me other than the fact that I was depressed and wanted to hook up with my best friend and you know so I was like I I should probably piece this together um and I remember a few years later when I first started dating a woman I was so self-conscious of talking about that experience on stage or even referencing a woman I was dating on stage because I immediately thought the audience would like be shocked or turn on me. Like I projected so much of my own shame and like 
all of these issues I had onto them. And I was like, I would like tiptoe around certain things that I was like, I don't know how they're going to respond to this. But it was really just like self. It was, it was just everything I felt about myself. And I've noticed now, you know, I feel much clearer on who I am that I'm able to just like, and it's not, not just on stage, but like in conversation when I am not like afraid of like talking about who I am, people are so much more open to like receiving who you are. Allie, why did you solve it's We've only been talking for like 10 minutes and I I've know, been, you know, I, know. I, and you figured it out, like all of it. I the tried whole, to figure some of it out. Whole thing. Wait, I, what's the, if you, the time frame that we're talking about between like when you were having all these feelings of, of like, how's the audience going to take me to now? Like, what's the, how that, long, what was that? Yeah. That was like 20, let's say 2012 to 2022. That's like that decade. So of like, like 10 years. Yeah. 10 years of figuring out who I am. Oh, I'm gay. And then I kind of, I kind of joke that like, I have this like newscaster lag in my standup where like my standup doesn't catch up to my personal life until like, like, you know, a few months later. So I'll still be like doing jokes about how, like, I, I just remember this period where I was talking about like a guy I'm dating. And then in my real life, I was like kind of navigating my first queer relationship. And now I actually feel more comfortable, like kind of like stumbling into things that I'm not really sure where they'll go on stage. But at that point in time, if I hadn't like sussed out what something meant in my personal life to talk about it on stage felt really threatening. Oh, well, that's that's <laughs> I mean, totally. I will also say the other side, which is what I've always done, can be um, like just incredibly unhealthy. Also, may I may I <laughs> recommend <laughs> wait, wait, meaning just going like nose diving into something. You're like, I don't know what's going on. Like I have a, I have a rule now where I don't talk about anything on stage that I haven't told another person interpersonally. And the reason I have that rule <laughs> is because there was a time when that did not exist. Okay, I could totally see that yeah. being a problem. It's like a I'm problem. probably gonna about to it's I'm about to swing into that disaster. Like I'm getting really cocky now. <laughs> Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But it's also, it's also like just disarming that like you, we have these fears that we make them so big by not speaking into them. And then to kind of just like take the air out of it by being on stage and everyone's like, oh yeah, I do that too. You know, that feels comforting. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! You know, this is... I Totally. I mean, also, I just am thinking back, just to go back to 
what you were talking about, about like projecting onto the audience. Cause I think that's like, I just think that's so astute. And I don't know. I genuinely don't know what that is like if you don't have a marginalized identity. Cause I think all comics actually deal with that. Like just having at this point watched like two decades of comedy, like I think all stand-ups are on stage just like, I know what you're thinking. And like sometimes it'll be like this straight cis, like hot dude. And he's like, I know what you're thinking. This is a person who was you know, betrayed by his father. And it's like, no, we're not. We, we're not. Right. That's not what we're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Thank you for the info, but no, that's, that's not what was coming to mind. Right. Um, but I definitely carry that for sure. And like, I was actually, so I was somewhere last night where um, somebody was like, I was like listening to someone give a talk and then they said the phrase like women and, and then they paused and were like, and actually all genders, um, and there was like a laugh in the audience. And it, mm. I, I was like, it wasn't, this was not a comedy context. And I was like, oh man, like, I'm going to, this is going to all make sense with this too. Did you see the Barbie movie yet? Yeah, I did. Yeah, because you're from the planet that we live on. I'm from our planet, yeah. yeah. I actually think I know where you're going with this. Do you want to guess? It could be super wrong. Come on, please. I was just going to guess that like, <laughs> this is such I like a narcissistic. I can't wait. No, I on, was going to go. guess that like I have this thing where I remember when I saw Call Me By Your Name in theaters. Mm-hmm. I saw it one of the first week it came out in New York and I was so excited to see it. And I was in the, you know, big theater in Union Square and the audience kept laughing at um, certain moments that I wanted them to treat as like sincere and earnest. And it really frustrated me. And like, that's a thing that I have where I can see that like the artistic intention is like, please just like receive this sincerely. And when the audience laughs, I like get fucking mad that they're like not recognizing like, please, like you're missing the like integrity of this moment. And then I just thought you were going to do a thing about Barbie saying like when because they get uncomfortable and they like it's like you're not like can you just kind of meet this art where it is right now instead of making it a joke because like you can't see it like it feels weird for you to like see this as it is. I mean I love that. I love what you just talked about about (laughs) calling about your name and I I think actually maybe some of those laughs were coming from this same place. It's a little it's a little bit of a different approach but I think that the. I think there's a there's a thread there's a real there's a through line because what I so I like saw the Barbie movie twice and the first time I was so fucking jazzed out of my skull that I didn't even like process mm-hmm. what happened I was just like this is amazing <laughs> you know like whatever just enjoying it and the second time I saw it I was like wait a minute and then I left and I realized that like so Kate McKinnon's character I literally think Valerie I'm so sorry. If I talked about this in the last episode of this show, which was recorded Mm -hmm. two days ago, take that out of of that episode and put it in this episode. (laughs) Thank you. I love you. Okay. Uh, So Kate McKinnon's McKinnon's character is, first of all, called Weird Barbie. That would be fine. Mm -hmm. That would be fine. She's also the only, like, masculine of center assigned female at birth person in this film, there are like 
Kens who are definitely supposed to be gay. And it's funny. There's like Alan who's like, I don't know, like gender non-conforming in a lot of ways. There's a beautiful trans woman who's a Barbie. Like all of those things exist. But there's nobody in this space besides weird Barbie. So first of all, she's weird. And then second of all, mm-hmm. all the other Barbies call her ugly to her face the entire movie. And at the end, when mm. everything's supposed to be redeemed, they don't apologize to her for that. They're like, we're sorry that we called you weird. Nobody ever says we're sorry we called you ugly. And then mm. they ask her what job you would like. And she says, I would like to be the president of trash. Like, that's where the movie leaves it. And oh. I was just like, holy shit. Like, that is still... because. The only Barbie in that movie who looks like me is that mm. Barbie. And mm. um, I like totally missed it. I, I I wouldn't have. I need to see it a second time. I was too jazzed out of your fucking time. skull, right? You were yeah, literally. I was just like <laughs> stoked that the movie. I, I, I know. Excited. But now I could, now I'm connecting those dots, and I'm like, oh yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, I didn't yeah. I didn't catch it the first time either, because um, I was just like laughing my head off and being like, oh my yeah, god, I was, look I at the sex. Loving- <laughs> like, yeah. Wow, yeah. Huh. So um, anyway, this is all I think it's it goes back to what you were saying about Call Me By Your Name, because it's not just about artistic integrity, it's like it sucks to for me again and again realize that like part of the reason I started doing stand up is because in the world at large I am a joke. Like my that movie, Call Me By Your Name is so sexy. The mm-hmm. idea that people are laughing at that, I mean, and now we also know that, like, whoops, it can never be re- revisited because of so Army. So it can't be rewatched, you think? I don't know. Well, I, I don't... Army Hammer, because I mean, he's a monster, right? So we can't... But I, to be... Listen, I don't know, like, the full scope of the Army Hammer stuff. Last I heard was that he had a cannibalism kink. I think but, there was some weird, like, control and, like, abusive vibes going on with the people. okay i don't know because the cannibalism know. kink all yeah. right as long as, not, long, no, as, I, yeah, long as you're not yeah <laughs> as long as you're not like yeah. acting like cheers you know but i think it was the it passed that yeah i think there was human, i think he was doing human line. stuff yeah. Yeah, yeah got it rats got it because we really want yeah. that one hollywood celebrity to just have a clean cannibalism kink you know it's just like <laughs> i know it's just like so chill and like they've got it they own it but it's nothing else but i don't think that was where him. did they all go uh, just those amazing <laughs> <laughs> you know ethical cannibals absolutely like, <laughs> absolutely yeah um that's interesting about kate Mc- did you play with barbies as a child yep i did but um Mostly Ken's, actually. Yeah, <laughs> m- m- me as well. I I played with GI Joes. Yes, I loved the GI Joes. Were you making the Kens like? Was did you have like some like sort of sexual fantasy you played out with the Barbies or the Kens, or were you just kind of Kenning around? Such a. <laughs> the Kens would pick up Barbie for a date. The number of times yeah. that Ken was outside, like in Barbie's sports car, like honking the horn. There is no horn, but I just mean, it was a lot. But also, because there were like not that many varieties of Ken available, I also made other 
dude action fi- like i had like a lot of ghostbusters or like ninja turtle action figures and they That's what would I'm date with the gi joes did did your gi joes date barbies Oh, yeah. My G.I. Joes were, like, that, ruling the roost. Like, that, they were going crazy with the Barbies. That height differential. <laughs> I had to outsource. There weren't enough Kens. So I was like, yeah, I need a crew. Exactly. I need a fraternity. Exactly. I was like, let me get those G.I. Joes. Oh, my God. I had, God. like, six G.I. Joes gangbanging a Barbie. Yeah. It was, like, absolutely. amazing. Absolutely. I know. Super they fun. would be walking down the street. But, like, for sure. Because it's, you know, obviously it's fine. Um for in a straight cis couple for the for the for the dude to be shorter but i think yeah. that what was truly charming about this is that it wasn't just a height differential so much as everything was scaled down to impossible <laughs> <laughs> like his entire adult body was this was the different distance between her ankle and her knee but they were like yeah. in a committed relationship yeah no fully i mean they you know what's interesting is you hear a lot of like my just like my straight friends will talk about how they had the Barbie's scissor. That's like coming up a lot. And I'm like, lesbians didn't do that. No, I didn't that was do not- that. Thank you so much. You know what? I have been trying to work on dispelling this myth for honestly, I would say an extremely long time. I don't know if you're aware of this. I'm going to call her out right now. There's a comic named Rachel Scanlon, who I absolutely love. I love Rachel love, Scanlon so fucking much. Had on a podcast. She came to open for me. I don't even know where we were. We had a drive. She murdered. She destroyed. She did so well. But she was also talking a lot about scissoring. And on the way home, I told her that Barbies didn't scissor. And she got... Yeah, they didn't. She she disagreed with me. I don't know what she's talking about. I don't know what she's talking about. (laughs) Because a young... Listen, I'm not going to make a generalization. No, I'll, I'll generalize. Young lesbians were playing with... Ken's and you know those male figures because that was an expression of some sort of like latent male sex like just this masculinity like the two Barbies together I was like what are they what are these two broads gonna talk about I want I needed a man in the room <laughs> did you did you have a, did you have like so you had a couple Ken's did you have yeah, one oh, you I had Ken's did you have one that you loved more than other ones? Yeah, I had I had one specific it it was a normal sized G.I. Joe. I think you're confusing G.I. Joe's with another I don't want to. G.I. Joe's are little. N- not some of them. Some of them are totally You're talking sized. about a G.I. Joe that's the same size as a Barbie? Yep. That's an unusual G.I. Joe or maybe No, no, I'm serious. They're they're like totally normal size. I think maybe this is something that wait. Like, look, this was, like, my G.I. Joe. Hang on a second. So I had a G.I. Joe that I would, like, put, like, there you go. But how big is that? G.I. Joes are small. Hang on. It, he was, bar- no, he was Barbie size. See? Barbie size. Okay, but here's what's fucked up. I'm going to tell you this, and it's going to be so rough. Oh, no. What? They were tiny when. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is. <laughs> how, how old are you? 29. Oh my god, it's the it's the like ten plus years between us, because they when made, they brought him up a size. Yeah, because when I was a kid, here I wonder if I could like show you one that has scale. I um, think I know what you're talking like the Toy Story GI Joes you're talking about. Yeah, they're like little. the little guys. Yeah, they're little, little, guys. little. They're like they're like five inches tall. Okay, I'm gonna send you one in the mail. I'm gonna send you one in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I had one, 
I would string, I would put like string in my bedroom ceiling and I would like put, uh, what is it called? Like, you know, when you're like a like, zip line? Harnessed. Yeah, I would like zip line them around the house. And one of them, he lost his arm during this in the, mission. In battle. But he was so stunning. I loved, he had like this gorgeous yeah. brown hair. And I always wanted all my bar. He was like, you know, I wanted my Barbies to go for him. So he was my favorite. I would kind of return to him time and time again. And he had been, you know, his body wore out over time. This this is, you're describing a childhood. If I had listened to me, you listened to me. My favorite Ken was like, um, his name was Derek. He was part of Barbie and the Rockers. Barbie was for a period of time in a rock band. And um, oh, okay. when you bought a member of Barbie and the Rockers, it came with a cassette of the of that rock band's music. Like That's cool. And uh, you, should, you should try to find this. This is, okay. one, I think one of the top hits is uh, Born With a Mic in My Hand. <laughs> Taylor sings it tonight. Um, it's amazing. Uh, but that was like as far as Ken got in terms of cool. Like Derek from that, he was cool. He had like kind of cool hair and like cool outfits or whatever. But like yeah. he wasn't, you couldn't put him on a zip line. No, no, no. Because like Those first of all, not- Lady Gaga didn't even exist so or Pink. So we like didn't know that, I mean, I guess... There were, we were already One in a could Michael Jackson line. world. Yeah, but yeah, we didn't know that rockers could zip line. So that was one of the main problems. But like if I had had what you're talking about. Yeah. No, it would have been, it would have been crazy for you. You would have just lost it. People are always focusing on a march toward equality in other ways. But I think that the resizing of G.I. Joe's is something that was a huge. It's been missed. Yeah. It was important. Mm -hmm. It changed a lot of lives, definitely. Yeah. Um, But I'm going to see the movie again. Definitely going to see it again. And and you'll boo. Yeah, and I'm going to boo the whole time. (laughs) Um, No, I just, I I was too hyped up and I went with the, you know, it was the audience, everyone was dressed up. I had one of those audiences where people were cheering, clapping, you know, it became, I had, it's like the second time I've been in the theater since COVID. I know. Did you, did you dress up? No, I didn't dress up. I don't don't dress up. I like to like watch everyone else dress up. I would never dress up. No, I wouldn't do that. It's not my thing. I dressed up. Really? What did you dress as? I wore uh, weird Barbie. <laughs> I wore a pink dress. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. And uh, did you go with your wife? Actually, no. I went with two of my friends. Um, well, the second time I went with my wife. Actually, I think I wore that pink dress for that too. But it, but it was like you know, like the second time wasn't the the first time was really the time I was like screaming. The second time I saw it in a theater that where everybody was like eating full meals, you know, this type of theater, and it was like yeah. and the hype. It was like not easy to hype because everybody had to like wipe their hands from their like you know steaks or whatever that they were having. That is so. I don't know how it's like. Some of it is like kind of amazing, but then it's like someone like it was like wheeling out like a vat of like hot pretzels it, and just like they're like C seventy two. It's like, what is going it's, on it here? Was, is- it's a combination of so many things. So many things are yeah. being combined, making them all slightly less good. But um, yeah. it is nice that it exists so we can experiment with yeah. which things should be combined. Wait, I want to go back, though, to 
to talking a little bit more about so where you're at right now, which is like having this, I mean, you talked about feeling comfortable um, on stage mm-hmm. and interpersonally talking about queerness. Mm-hmm. Do you, like just in your, I guess I'm more talking about on stage than in your personal life. Like, do mm-hmm. you feel like it's a big source of material for you? Do you feel like you're, um, like you ha- are choosing to, come out every set are you like because we're just again we're like such different generations that I don't Mm. know what it's like yeah so once I was like I hit my sweet spot with my stand-up and my life feeling like both authentic I was doing a lot of material around my experience being being gay but also pulling from like my experience of having been closeted And I was very conscious of writing and like performing in a way that like, I don't want to be telling jokes that like just make sense or hit with like people that have had the queer experience. Like, what am I saying that is like, if you're, if you haven't had that experience, but you're like listening and looking at that, like you can get a kick out of it, I guess. Um, But now I feel like sometimes I'm self-conscious where I'm like, God, I don't want to be a lesbian comedian that is just talking about being a lesbian. So I'm almost like wanting to circle back where I'm like, I feel like I've gotten a lot of it out of my system where I'm like, I finally said it and like, I've made the observations. I'm like, but I want to be more than that. And I am more than that, but it feels good to talk about on stage. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I don't know. God, I have no idea how I, I'm seen outside of myself. Who could ever know that? Um, but I think for me, I always felt like I was talking about like dating, getting married, getting divorced, getting remarried, mental health. Like I always thought I was talking about those things. And I think mm-hmm. I felt like um, it's not like I wasn't aware of my identity or was trying to hide it, but I think I felt like surprised sometimes to find out that other people thought that that I was a lesbian comedian. I just mean, cause like, I don't know what a lesbian comedian is. Like I know, Mm. well, I certainly know folks who are like doing a lot of heavy, heavy, like sex material. I guess I've never really been I've certainly made my shit, my fair share of sex jokes, but it's never been like a huge part of what I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. I guess what I'm trying to say is, <laughs> good luck trying to feel figure like, out how to thread that needle because I don't know how to do it. Like meaning, like, well, two things. One is, do you feel that when you're performing for audiences, that I mean, most of your audiences, do you feel though that they're your headlining shows and they're just coming out for you. They know who you are. So it's not like a surprise or like a reveal when you're sharing that information. Yeah. So, right. So. But even before that, when I was playing in whatever rooms or sometimes today, if I'm performing somewhere where I'm just like doing a set um, or, you know, like a spot, um, 
I, I often feel like I'm like, but I'm just talking about the same thing you're talking about. Like to, it's exactly, it's like, it's we're I'm just talking about, you're talking about dating. I'm talking about dating. I'm talking about exactly marriage. You're talking about marriage. Yeah. Gonna say like, I was at, I was, did a set a few weeks ago at Cobb's in San Francisco and I got off stage and I was reflecting on my set. Someone had made a comment about some, I don't know if it was, it was just something about le- lesbian. I don't know what the comment was. Insert anything around that. And I was <laughs> reflecting back on my set and I was like, is my set like a really gay set? Like, I don't know what that even means. I was like going through my material and then I did what you just said where I said to myself, I'm talking about being in a relationship, I'm talking about dating, I'm talking about my understanding of marriage, I'm talking about my understanding of children. Like those things are, I don't know how to look at them through a lens that's not being gay. So if that is making it gay, like I'm gay. So of course it's, that's how I see the world. <laughs> I don't know how to go on stage and, and, and have like a straight male perspective on these things and then and then my because my dad who I love and is most supportive would say things when I first started comedy like you know you want to also do some stuff that's not super gay do you and I understand the instinct and say that back and forth to each other so that we don't have to hear it I mean isn't my dad doesn't say that to me anymore either but um, yeah maybe if they just say it to each other then they can never yep, bring they, that up again. They can get it out yeah. of their system. But they, they were like, he was like obsessed with that when I did The Tonight Show. Oh. He was like, but you don't want it to just be that you're like the gay comedian. And it's like, I can't control how people remember me. And also like, this is in my, I don't know, how do I unsee it? It's like. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's the that's the thing. Everybody has a perspective. It's just that if yours is not marginalized, then it is invisible, is the thing that I would say about stand-up, right? Like, but also all things. Like, only marginalized perspectives do we even notice that they exist. Right, right. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I was listening to... What, what was this? Oh, it's been a minute with Sam Sanders. Great podcast yesterday Mm -hmm. and he was talking about somebody saying that somebody else was half Japanese and he's like what's the other half like just default and I was like oh my god because like this is how deep even like my my wife is half Japanese half white and I sometimes describe her as half Japanese because defaults are so strong that even if I have some identities that are marginalized, it doesn't mean I have to like notice where I, my default settings are because they're, yeah. they're in all of us programmed so deeply. Uh, we have to do a lot of like untangling and like, yeah, that's it's cr- like, like, but these are two, like us talking about this being aware and having some language to talk about it it's like a whole world of people who are just like we're just like messy cobbling together shit being like like it's just a nightmare it is not to be cynical but like it's like how do we figure out how to like adopt new language as like a planet like of course it's 
Yeah, I don't think we can. I mean, that's a great... I don't think we need to also. I think that... I don't think we can. Like, I think it's like... I think it's... I feel like it's... I'll just speak for myself. I'm okay with it being a um, slow and gradual march toward progress. Like, I just don't know that we actually can speed it up um, Mm -hmm. faster than that. Like, even if we wanted to, good luck to us. Um, Mm -hmm. But I... Like that first that tonight show set that you're talking about. Like what were you, what were you actually talking about? I haven't I need to I will go after this, I will watch you on the tonight show, but I don't know exactly the, what you um, well covered in that set. I the the first time I went on the tonight show, I had a girlfriend and I was not out and I had did like a what felt like a straight set. Like that set when I look back on it, I'm like, this is like what I thought stand up was, but like I wasn't I wasn't that good. Like I wasn't good and I can, it's not my, it's not the right voice for me. It's like, I'm almost close to finding something that might work. And then the second set I do on the show, I'm talking about being gay, but I still mentioned, like it's confusing to people because I, and I see why it is now, but I still mention my experience dating men. And then I talk about dating a woman and everyone's like, what, what, what are you then? Like, well, what is this? We don't get it. Like, everyone's like, well, what does that mean? And I just remember when I was figuring out, like, what bits to do and, like, reflecting it back to my dad, which I shouldn't do. I know that doesn't work, but I still do it where I, like, want him and my mom to laugh, but I, like, just keep going. It's just, like, the mouse that keeps going for cheese and, like, even when they, like, I don't know. I'm not going to get cheese at the end of that tunnel, so I don't know why I keep going down that path. Would you say it's a bit like a broken slot machine? It's oh my god, um, and they were you know they were very thoughtfully like you know and you re- this is gonna a lot of people will see this like you might not want to you know end so heavy on the lesbian stuff and it's like but that's kind of like who I am. It's kind of like yeah. Me. What will people think if they? No, I guess they'll think the truth. The truth. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I still have it. I'm still doing it to myself. A few weeks, I'm still saying to myself, "Is this too gay? Like, are there parts of would I get booked more if my material felt broader? Can I be gay and my material still be broad?" Da, 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 da. Uh, yeah, I don't know the. I mean, the other thing that I will say that is funny though is, then I also have gotten a shit ton of jobs specifically because of my identity. So right. I could play this. Um, game like all like I, I could just like play it with myself forever like do like less gay more gay I could just play that forever with myself and it I don't know that it um I don't know that there is a perfect answer um coming to mind right now is Tim Dillon and I'm just wondering if like does he not have this mental conversation because he chooses to not engage his gay identity much at all if ever on stage is that his answer to it and because he's a white man he just gets to basically like pretend that's not a thing yeah i mean sure like probably but i think the thing i'll say about that for me is like i don't get it 
Like, I like I feel like, and not specifically about him, but, like, there used to be... There used to be... Well, this is still a thing, but there used to be this comic that, like, when I started in Chicago, a big part of his set was that, like, at one point in his set, he would take his shirt off. It's so funny, because this is true. <laughs> this is, like, a... There are very so successful comics who this is their thing. Um, but, he, <laughs> like, that was, like... You know, and and this is like when I was going out every single night doing multiple sets a night, open mics, you know, till two o'clock in the morning or whatever. And I would just like watch this guy and he would be like, he'd tell like two jokes and then take his shirt off. And I, I would just be like, what, I, what, why have you, how is that enough? Cre- creatively, how does that keep you coming back? You know, like, cause for me... <laughs> Because, <laughs> like, for me, like, so much of it is about, like, I don't know, like, like, yeah, getting a chance to try to tell people what my perspective is. And, like, right. for him, that's, me, like, the itch. <laughs> I was like, but then, you know, yeah, like I said, like, Burke Kreischer exists. So what the fuck do I know? I don't know. But, like, I just don't think it, I don't think that's a motivator for me. So yeah. I don't know. That's yeah, why I can't right. do it. I used to feel so jealous of that guy. I would be like, this is what it is for you, man. Like, like fucking, and to just get like, what a claps. fucking relief, baby. Like, I hope you feel good. I hope this is nice for you. Yeah. I mean, that's one way. If that's working. Wow. That's great. I, yeah. I, and, I could do that. and like not even working outside, but like working inside. You know, if he right, goes to bed totally. at night and he's like, well. I fucking killed it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> did it again, man. Fucking did <laughs> it again. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll do the two new jokes and then take off my shirt. And fucking, yeah. That, that'll get me to 15 minutes. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean. It's, Jesus Christ. Uh, you see that in like so many different forms. Yeah. You know, everywhere in stand up. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a different story of just like. You could any city you go to, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, that's uh, that's Craig. He uh, takes his shirt off every few like you know like every city has their own version of someone who's just like on stage doing like the worm, and they're like, "Yeah, he does that about five minutes in." Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and again, maybe locally beloved. So I don't even I don't even think right. it's not working in terms of how they're viewed. I think those sometimes yeah. those dudes get a lot of respect. But, I know. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're having a conversation with themselves. Like, I wonder how the audience is going to feel about this. I know. And, no, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't think so. I could, yeah. <laughs> could be really wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. But circling back, yeah, I did at first feel every time, every time I did a show, I was coming out. And that was terrifying. And I would look at the room and I would imagine if people in the room were how they would feel about it. And now what I felt as I've like started headlining more is I'll go into a place and I'm like, oh, is this a red state or is this like a blue state? That's more where I go. I don't think about coming out so much as like I'm like, where do these people fall politically? Like, "Ah, how do these people vote? I don't know why I'm using that. I, I do know kind of why, but I'm using that to evaluate something I feel before I go on. Do you feel like that then, do you feel like that's a helpful marker? Um, I don't really know. I don't know why I'm doing that. Maybe it's because I 
somewhere want to feel safe in some way. Yeah, I mean that yes. that makes sense. <laughs> Maybe to lit to survive. Yeah, to survive. Yeah, like that. <laughs> Is it yeah. legal here? <laughs> I don't. I don't feel. I, just to say, I don't feel confused about why you would do that. Yeah. Something that I have found that's true is that sometimes I get a bigger reaction in a place where folks are more suppressed and oppressed because they like uh-huh. need it more, but it doesn't make mm. me safer. So it's like an interesting difference yeah. where like if I ask myself, this is a red or blue state and I try to adjust by being like more like taking my foot off the gas in a red state, like I'm actually leaving something on the table. Cause that, sh- cause I, cause I like, like n- fucking New York city can like, can like, I was going to say suck my dick. I don't even. I thought you were going to say suck my dick. And I was like, I stopped guessing what she's saying. Like, you're an idiot. I was like, you didn't say New York City could suck my dick. I was like, suck your dick. I told anyone or any place to suck my dick. But uh, it can versus like, you know, whatever. uh, Name any city in North Carolina. But um, I will feel safer like walking to the show in my. I used to have a hat that. Um. It was the, for some reason, it was the, <laughs> it was the Honda logo, but then it said homo. Sure. And, um, oh my God. <laughs> I, it was like my favorite hat. So I would, so I wore it for like an entire tour, not realizing until the end of the tour, like I like took it off. I like just forgot what was on my head and I like took it off and looked at it and was like, what have I been walking through every city wearing? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, like, New York, fine wearing your homo hat, less fine in, like, right. Asheville, North Carolina, or whatever. But, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It's, um, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, and it's, I feel mixed about every, all of it, you know? It's like, and also I feel like, do you feel that, like, the clubs in, like clubs in New York have a different feel than like alt- alternative shows. Alternative shows, that's what people like to call them. Yeah. Which are just like good shows. But um cl- clubs are still very feel very like patriarchal to me. A lot of them. Yes. Again, that you know? is like a place where Hey, let me just say, if you want to mention screen the Barbie movie. Yeah, if you want to if you want to just met, just acknowledge the existence of for instance, the fact that a that strap-ons exist, uh-huh. murder in a club, destroy. They go, oh, yeah. They go. We can't even. Yeah. We can't even believe <laughs> that this comic also knows that. You know, whatever it is, it's like a bunch right. of straight guys that are like, "Holy shit! I never heard anything what like that in my life." Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Always nice to have that in your. In your back pocket. It's in your like backpack. Pointing, That's where you keep a strap. Pointing. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. Pointing to an idea makes the audience go crazy. Yeah, exactly. It's you, it's yeah. just like you're just like suggesting some. It's not even clear what you're suggesting. You're just yeah. like a banana. Yeah. Like, what the f- fucking lesbian's banana, talking yeah, about exactly. bananas? <laughs> that's that's very real. That's very very real. Mm-hmm. 
Allie, I got to send you back into your day in a minute. Here's something I just want to say before that, because I always have one final question I ask people, but the first thing I want to say is you have a delightful laugh. Really? Thank you. Yeah. Nobody does. Wow. That's not a thing. I feel like delightful laughs are hard to come by. Thank you. Especially for a comic. We like, you know, train ourselves to sort of unlaugh because everything's like a Terminator scanning for jokes. So anyway... Don't don't Appreciate don't that. ever change. Thank you. I'll, I'll yeah, love you like a sister. Don't ever change. Thank, uh, thank you. Hags, hags. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. Before I send you back into your day, um, mm-hmm. I always guess. Nope, not I always guests. I don't always guests. No, I always ask guests. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. To shout out a queero. <laughs> Which is a person, place, or thing that made them feel that they could be who they are today. Allie, would you like to shout out a queero? Whoa. Whoa. A person, place, or thing that made me feel like I could be who I am? Mm-hmm. Who did that for me? Did anyone do that for me? You know, I'll shout out Jesse Curson. Oh, yeah. Who... One of my, if not my favorite stand-up of all time, who is a lesbian. She is amazing. She's so phenomenal. She's so funny and she's so big hearted. And I loved her when I would watch her on YouTube. And then I got to like work with her and I just think she's the best. And yeah, she like was representation of like what was possible for me when I didn't have any sense of what was possible. God. That's awesome. I is she New York? She's New York, yeah. She's New York, yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm I was trying she's to so funny. She is so funny. And I feel like I've she's like one of those comics who I've like seen totally destroy but but worked with very infrequently because we've never lived in the same city. I'm trying to think of like when I've worked with her. But that's awesome that you've gotten to work with her too. You know who she's she, Kills. She destroys, like, have you ever seen Deborah Di Giovanni? No. Or you know who I'm talking about? You should look her up. She okay, well. murders. And, like, I feel like there are some people who, um, like, specifically some women who, like, don't get as much, like, airtime and cred, uh, outside of the rooms like just, like just is just a great example of that like she's so funny and she also does so well like i think that's something that yeah. it's like always wild to me where it's like this person destroys um like how is she not a household name everywhere yeah exactly that's what i'm trying to say like and she does yeah. it's not like she does it's not like she's like struggling as a comic but i just mean like the amount that she kills is like yes the as hard as i've ever shake. seen anybody kill yeah so yeah she's yeah. incredible yeah i love her Oh, awesome. Well, That's thank you for bringing her up. Actually, the first time she's been mentioned on the show. So now folks have a new person Whoa. to look up. And they should also oh, look gotta. up Deborah. These are awesome people. Amazing. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. Yeah, Ali, it was so nice to talk with you. And thank you so much for being flexible so that I could go see uh, our Lord and Savior, Taylor Swift. Enjoy. And um, it was nice meeting you. Yeah, it was nice to meet you too. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network. 
of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.